Welcome to the Where Money Meets Soul podcast. I'm Jennifer Griffith. And I'm Natasha Gaines. As two busy women juggling high profile jobs, family, friends, bills, and everything else life throws our way, we know what it's like to feel stressed out and overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And from personal experience, we also know what it's like to pull ourselves out of that place by using the right skills and tools to get our lives into alignment. Absolutely, we're here to share those same tools with you so that you can also turn your desires into reality. If you're interested in learning more about money and abundance, how to create a better work-life balance, and how to pursue your passions without sacrificing your dreams, then we invite you to join us each week to gain powerful tools to help you succeed in business and life. When money meets soul, magic will happen. Welcome, everyone. Today, we're joined by Shannon Etheridge, who is an author, international speaker, certified life coach, and an advocate for healthy sexuality. Shannon has written 22 books, including a million copy bestseller. She leads workshops for women and couples and offers mentorship programs for leaders, authors, speakers, and teachers. She has been featured on dozens of media outlets, including the Today Show. And tonight, Shannon is speaking with us about how to build a booming business by harnessing the power of words. Welcome, Shannon, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Natasha and Jennifer. I am delighted to get to be on your show. Yay. (laughs) So great to have you here. Shannon, can you just tell us more about yourself, how you got to where you are today? So many people assume that I became successful because I had a leg up somehow, but I graduated from the school of hard knocks. That's how I got where I am today. (laughs) I was a very promiscuous teenage girl, grew up in a household where when I was four, my eight-year-old sister died and my 10-year-old brother and my dad just emotionally shut down. So after my sister's death, I was so hungry for attention and affection from anyone in the family, but nobody seemed to be able to give me that. And then when I was 11 or 12, I started developing breasts and hips. And I had a few uncles in my family that took notice and tried to get me to play games like how far have you gone with a boy and how far would you let me go? And can I touch you here or here? And don't tell your parents because they would never understand our special love for each other. And of course, I didn't know at the time at 11 that they weren't loving me. They were lusting after me. But I just assumed that because I didn't let them have sex with me, that that didn't affect me. But it infected me in a very deep, profound way. Mm -hmm. By the time I was 14, I gave my virginity away eagerly to an 18-year-old boy because I didn't want my first time to be with a creepy 30-something-year-old uncle. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of opened the door for a series of one relationship after another. Um, Sometimes it would last like two years, but other times it was two months or two weeks. Mm -hmm. And when I was 20 years old, I realized... I have had more sexual partners than most people have in a lifetime, and I'm barely in my 20s, but I got a wake-up call in, of all places, a funeral home in Dallas, Texas. I was studying to be a mortician. I wanted to be a pathologist, but I couldn't afford medical school, so I thought being a mortician would be the next best thing, and I was shocked at how many people I was embalming. Almost every 24-hour shift, I would embalm at least one, if not two people who had either died because of of complications of full-blown AIDS, or they committed suicide when they got an HIV-positive diagnosis. This was in the late 80s when the treatments weren't nearly as advanced as they are today. So that was my wake-up call. I knew that something had to change in my life. I remember standing over the embalming table thinking, there but for the grace of God go I. 
And I remember, uh, you know, kind of asking God, you know, what do I need to do? Like, I have no idea how to live with integrity in this area of my life. And I sensed God saying, Shannon, if you will, if, if you will trust me with your future, I will redeem your past. And that is what all of my books and all of my talking through the years and my podcast and all of that is really about redeeming a healthy sense of sexuality because there are so many people out there who have been either sexually abused or uh, neglected, who have low self-esteem, poor body image, their husbands have been unfaithful, or maybe they've been unfaithful. I mean, the list goes on and on about what hinders people's development sexually. And I just love helping people overcome those hurdles and blossom sexually because that strengthens their life, their marriage, and their family. Right. Absolutely. You know, and in some cases, it's not even something traumatic that happens. It's an upbringing, right? You hear so many times where it's oh. almost people have a lot of shame in their yeah. sexuality because no, no, you don't talk about that. No, no, you're not supposed to do that. No, no, that's bad. And so you grow up thinking this is, I'm doing something wrong. This isn't right. I shouldn't do this. So I'm, I'm really sorry to hear about what happened to you in your childhood. I know it happens to a lot of individuals and it's very unfortunate, but I love when individuals take their past and don't, they don't take a victim mentality. They become the survivor and this warrior. So kudos to you for doing that and for sharing your message, because I think it is important, especially for individuals who've gone through things that you've done. And it's also a way, you know, like you did, you took it as a, a way to move forward and step forward. A lot of people stay stuck, right? They take that right. victim mentality. They choose, um, again, shame or kind of they're doomed. This is a lifestyle that they've been hit with. So right. what did it take for you? I mean, you had a, a very clear message and call, but for individuals, what would you tell individuals who are stuck and they're afraid to take that step forward? Well, I can't say that that wake up call was really the final step to the, this frontier that I've been pioneering for the past 30 years. It really happened about seven years later, about 27 years old is when my emotional bills came due. And I was so tempted to act outside of my marriage because I basically had just put a ring on my finger thinking this is going to change everything about me. And I learned that this didn't change anything except my last name. <laughs> and so, uh, I, found a counselor who was willing to work with me. And the first words out of her mouth were, Shannon, tell me about your relationship with your dad. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, I am not here to talk about my dad, next <laughs> subject. But mm -hmm. oh, she hit the nail on the head from the get-go. Mm -hmm. I had such a dysfunctional relationship with really not just my dad, but my older brother as well. And mm -hmm. it was that hunger that I was trying to fill and would never fill. I mean, I was definitely looking for love in all the wrong places and trying to fill this grand canyon of emotional needs. But I didn't understand that I have to become my own best friend. I have to, to start looking in the rearview mirror at where I've been so I could understand better where I wanted to go. Because if we just right. think that life is just going to somehow magically get better and we can keep doing the same things over and over expecting different results, that's the definition of insanity. Mm -hmm. So I went through six months of intense individual and group counseling, and even got involved in an SLAA program, which stands for Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Mm -hmm. And through those six months and beyond, I that is when I blossomed and thrived because this is what I learned, that because we are wounded in relationship, we're also healed in relationship. 
but it's usually just not the same relationship. There yeah. was no way that I was going to heal the wounds of my dad and my father and, you know, reconnect with uncles and all that. It was, I had to make new associations with new friends and, and choose healthier uh, surrogate family members. And it was through those deeper, richer relationships that I really learned who I am. So that's, I think that's the reason that I went into the counseling profession is I wanted to do for other people what Julianne had done for me. That was the name of my counselor in Dallas at the time. And so helping people find those groups, putting together the workshops of eight to 10 people over a four day span of time in my living room. This is where I see people shed the shame layers, let go of the emotional baggage and catch a vision for what is possible in their life and in their relationships. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, because our listeners are primarily either uh, corporate professionals, entrepreneurs and such, you know, when, when you feel stuck, when you choose to kind of sit in the hurt and the blame and the shame and the doom and the gloom, you're afraid to take a step forward, usually in life, in business, et cetera. Everywhere. Uh, yeah. So why, how, what would you recommend to individuals who do want to put themselves out there specifically in the business world? What would be one of the first things you have them analyze or look into if they've dealt, if they've been dealt with a difficult past? Right. My first recommendation is consider the two different kinds of birds that are famous for their disposition. One is the ostrich who sticks their head in the sand, who is <laughs> driven by fear. And when their head is in the sand, their ass is where? Up in the air, <laughs> totally vulnerable to attack. But the other bird that's famous is the wise old owl. And I think that owls are known mm -hmm. for being wise because they can turn their head all the way back around and mm -hmm. look completely behind them. I think that pressing the pause button on your life, taking a look at the first 10 years of your life, the next 10 years of your life, even just looking at the first 20 years will often reveal so much of where this baggage started. And I often tell people that you better learn to face your demons or else they're going to bite you on the butt when you're trying to run away from them. You don't have to wrestle with them forever though. You'll eventually learn to snuggle with them and just accept the fact that I have certain weaknesses or temptations or fantasies or thoughts, and that's okay as long as I don't act out on them because we are deeply imprinted in our childhood sexually. But to be able to look in the rearview mirror and go, yep, I know what that's all about, but I don't have to let that get me off track from where I want to be in my relationships and in my professional life. And so to stay focused, because I think that when people fall into these patterns of getting addicted to pornography or having affairs um, or just low self-esteem and it causes their marriage to, to really hit the rocks. There's no way that doesn't translate over into our professional life that directly impacts our ability to have the kind of livelihood that we want. And so to think that we check in at eight o'clock and check out at five o'clock and nothing in our personal life ever bleeds into those nine hours a day is completely wrong. Mm -hmm. So, the power of being honest and truthful about whatever you have going on with yourself is obviously very important. How important is that to be honest with others? For instance, you share very openly about your background, about your past, how you got to where you are. And I know there's many others that do the same. Is that, I think that's an important part. Well, ironically, I feel as if it happens in reverse. I don't know that I could have ever gotten honest with myself 
until I had the opportunity to get honest with a safe person. And that's what Julianne was for me because I'm a verbal processor. I don't know if you ladies are the same way, but sometimes I literally don't know how I feel about something until I hear myself say it out loud to another human being. And then it clicks in my head of, yeah, that, but if I don't have that opportunity and it just stays stuck inside, I really don't know how I feel or how I want to feel. And so that, that safe verbal processor, I think is a vital element in anyone's healing journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's part of that power of being vulnerable, right? That, uh, yeah. Like Brene Brown talks about absolutely that vulnerability is, that is the key to us feeling bonded and connected with another human being. And when I'm in that role, uh, whether it's with a, a a 40 year old housewife, whether it's with a 60 year old entrepreneur, owner of his own company, whether it's with a 15 year old girl that her parents have brought her to me, no matter what age or demographic I'm working with, I just feel so stinking honored to get to be that safe confidant and that trusted person that they feel as if is listening with no judgment whatsoever, can connect the dots and help them recognize things about the correlation between what they're wrestling with now and what they've experienced in their past. And then can help them design that plan to move the heck on and and focus on something higher and more important in their lives rather than feeling that like like Jennifer said, stuck. That stuck mm-hmm. feeling is a horrible feeling. Limbo is never a recipe for success. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. So then in that case, what's the best way to build a brand and kind of gain your respect and recognition, whether you're in a leadership, you know, ownership, entrepreneurship, uh, what would you suggest? Yeah, I'm so glad that you asked the question because as I said, that no matter what it is that's holding you up from your past, that will impede your ability to succeed in the future. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I was noticing Every time I spoke at a church or at the women of faith conferences or what, wherever it was, people would approach me or email me afterwards and say, how can I do what you do? And they weren't talking about being the sex lady necessarily. They were saying, how can I use my story to help other people and actually be able to make a living at it? Mm-hmm. And that would just elate me that they were asking the question because a, they were ready to be authentic about who they, you know, who they are and what they've experienced in their life. Because I think that authenticity breeds authenticity. And I think mm-hmm. that that is what our culture is craving most. So mm-hmm. that's why I created this blast mentorship program. It stands for building leaders, authors, speakers, and teachers, because so often when women and men would ask me this question of how can I do what you do? I mean, I would tell them that's like asking a brain surgeon, how do I remove a tumor when you haven't even been to medical school? You can't just hand people a 10 second formula. And so I would just say, well, you know, I'll pray for you. And if you ever wanted to reach out and have a one-on-one coaching session, I would love to hear more about what you're doing. But those one-on-one coaching sessions turned into people are asking the same questions. Mm -hmm. How can I identify my niche? How can I build a brand? How can I get my message out there? How can I be a good steward of what has happened in my life and use that to help other people? And how can I do it in such a way that I can quit my day job and yeah. do nothing but this? Because yeah. the thing is, is when people are trying to work a full-time job, they may not always be able to weave their passion in. They may yeah. get to a place where they really feel as if 
I've done enough in the world that I live in. I'm ready to do this instead. They shift gears. It's sometimes they call it a midlife crisis or, you know, a halftime shift or whatever. Other times they want to keep going down the, the path that they have professionally, but they just want to be able to weave in some of their story to connect with their employees and their colleagues even better. Mm-hmm. And so whether they want to do it all out or whether they just want to weave it into what they're already doing. I knew that I could create a template and an online course that would kind of guide people through the process of how to recognize what your story is, you know, how it would benefit people, what Mm -hmm. it is guiding you toward and how to find the courage to take those steps. Because quite frankly, overcoming fear is the number one obstacle. Because when you think about people's biggest fears in life, aside from snakes and spiders, (laughs) What comes to mind? Public speaking. Public speaking. Uh That's exactly Uh right. And heights, which I guess when you're talking about climbing the corporate ladder, you can, you know, say going to the dentist, apparently. Yeah. 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 And so helping people understand that fear is simply a story that you're telling yourself. And you are the author of that story. And Mm -hmm. you can tell yourself a different story that will help you overcome that fear and do what you feel called to do. Hey everyone, did you ever wish you had a friend who was constantly supporting your dreams to make more money, pursue your passions, or live a more relaxed lifestyle? Well, here we are. Success, financial freedom, balance, whatever you want to create in your life, you can have it, and we're sharing the tools to help you get there. That's right, because sometimes all it takes to achieve your goals is a tribe of people cheering you on, and we're here to do just that for you. Yes, we are. When you join our tribe, every week you'll receive powerful tools to help you achieve financial freedom, create a better work-life balance, and pursue your dreams. For only $5.55 a month, you'll receive access to affirmations, mantras, guided meditations, EFT tapping sessions, articles, and tip sheets that all specifically focus on money and abundance, work-life balance, and passion and success. That's a whole lot of stuff. It is. If you visit inthelifeofzen.com to subscribe and join our tribe today. Yeah, right. I love yeah. that. We've mm-hmm. had uh, quite a few. We had a few months ago. We had a few um, podcast guests who spoke about fear specifically. It was like it seemed like it was a theme at the time, yeah. and part of it is also embracing fear. You can't always overcome it. Fear is always going to be there, but you have make to it embrace work for it. You. Yes, make mm-hmm. it work. It's so different. for you, here individuals come to you. They want to use their story and their words to get their message across and make a change. Um, for you at that point, you then kind of guide them and train them and focus. Do you help them put their story together? And is that what you to do? The extent that they, to the extent that they want or need me to. Basically, okay. when I created the BLAST program in 2009, mm-hmm. I intended for it to be a 12-lesson online program where people could watch the videos, three to four hours of video every month. So it's a total of over 40 hours of video content, have a private Facebook page where we all interact with one another, maybe watch each other's videos or look at each other's logos or bio photos and give each other feedback. We do two calls a month. One is a community call where maybe I interview somebody like yourselves uh, who is using their platform to, to help people. And then another time we just have a Q&A call where I just let them ask any questions that they want. But in addition to that program, which is at a really economical cost, it's only $127 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell people that 
14 or $1,500, you will make that back in the first month if you will apply these principles and follow this template and do what I encourage you to do. But on top of that inexpensive $127 a month program, they also have access to me for one-on-one -on -one coaching. Oh, and so some people feel as if they got everything they needed from the video curriculum. They only interact with me on these free forums, the Facebook page and the community call and the Q&A call. But others, they want that one-on-one -on -one interaction. They want me pouring over their bio line by line, their speaker's information packet, their frequently asked questions page that they send out to people who are inquiring about them coming and being a speaker, all of that sort of thing. So I just, I connect with people on whatever level they want and need me to. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's beautiful because yeah, yeah. I think we've all been to conferences or events or churches or groups where we've seen good speakers and we've seen great speakers. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. the, there's an important part of um, kind of honing in and mastering the power of speaking. It's difficult and it doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly the first time, but when you right. have a good message to share, you have to find a way to make that as impactful as possible, right? You need to know your audience, who it is that you're speaking to. And you do need to find a way. It's how do you tie it all together so that it's right. powerful. So I think what you do, what public speaking training trainers do is key. I think for anyone who's considering uh, overcoming or embracing their fears of public speaking, I think um, I would recommend always meeting with someone because it does help you to hone that message in and decide, you know, there's psychology and words, psychology and movements, psychology and, you know, hand gestures, and it all plays right. a role. Doesn't mean you have to do them all, but really kind of taking your story and making it, let's say for lack of a better term, a mini movie, right? Movies have a beginning and end, a middle and an end, and there's right. a message. A crescendo. Mm -hmm. right? right? So you have to find a way as if it's a 30 minute talk, a 60 minute, a four hour talk, how are you breaking your story up? So, uh, you know, I think your program's excellent. I know some public speaking trainers charge thousands and thousands of dollars yeah, just for a few hours. That, that's the cool thing is that my publishers through the years, they paid for me to sit in those training sessions that were thousands and thousands of dollars. And so oftentimes I would watch them and go, I could totally do that. I could totally help <laughs> other people the way that they're helping me right now, but yeah. I wouldn't have to charge an arm and a leg to do it. Yeah. And so the interesting thing is that a lot of people may feel comfortable with one or the other. Maybe they feel comfortable speaking, but they have a lot of anxiety around writing or other people mm -hmm. may feel as if I only want to be a writer, but I can't be a speaker. Mm -hmm. It's like, you have to understand these two things are so together. I mean, not just like peanut butter and chocolate. I'm talking about, you know, like two sides of the same coin, because when you speak, you need to develop your outline and your introduction mm -hmm. and, and your conclusion and all of those things that are really a vital part of a talk. So you are literally writing, but also even if you are a fantastic writer, your publishers are going to expect that you are going to speak on your book and promote that book through media channels and perhaps through podcasts. And no one can sell a book like the author can. No one can expect that the publisher is going to do all the selling for you and all you have to do is the writing. So a lot of what I do, quite frankly, isn't just the speaking training and the writing training. A lot of what I do is the marketing training because my two favorite quotes about marketing is number one, without marketing, a really sad thing happens. Nothing. 
<laughs> and it's so very true. You, know, you can write the best book or be the best speaker in the world, but if no one knows about you or your book, it's right. not going to change lives. Right. But my other favorite quote is from a gentleman named A.H. Britt. And he said, um, trying to run your business without advertising is like winking at a girl in the dark. You know what you're doing, but nobody else does. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, true. So you may true. have a crystal clear vision of what your topic, what your platform is really supposed to be all about. But if no one else knows about it, you're not going to get the traction that you really want to have. Right. Yeah, that is so true. So if we can go back, if someone comes to you and they have a great story to tell and it's, you know, it's a good one, but they have no idea where to start. They are a blank canvas. What, what's the first thing you would tell them to do? Is it journaling, bullet points? Yeah. I'm curious. I have a template. I call it the horseshoe method where you start out telling the story of where you are today about how great life is. And everyone's thinking, I want that. Mm -hmm. But then you say, however, it was only 10 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever. And you paint the picture of what the bottom of that pit looked like that you dug for yourself. And then you tell us the story about how you got yourself out of that pit and got Mm -hmm. where you are today. And so it just kind of creates, you know, we talked about a a crescendo or an arc. It's basically that in reverse. It's it's where I am now, where I once was and what I did to get out of that position. I think that that's what we all want to hear. We want to hear how can we be overcomers? That's what we want to see in every movie. We're we're always cheering on the the protagonist to, to win and to overcome their demons and to achieve the goal that they're striving for. And that's what people want to hear in your personal story as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they absolutely do. That's why everybody watches the football movies and the hockey movies and the <laughs> all of the above, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. And in some cases, I feel like you need to take it a step further. And I don't know if you recommend this, but what I want when I go to an event or I see a keynote or something is, yes, I want to hear their story and I want it to start off cat. Not that I wanted to, you know, you kind of notice the ones you're drawn to start off catchy. They then go to that vulnerable place. They'll give it all the way it is, whether it's a good story or bad story. It's just them telling their story. They then fill you with hope. And then the ones I really like, are they apply it to you? Yeah, it has and to be applicable is, to your own life or, parent, right? or it's just and, a cool story. Exactly. And so, and I think, however, we know that, but I feel like that, that part is missed with a lot yes. of speakers. Um, you know, it's Absolutely. almost like you leave going, oh my gosh, it was so great, but. I don't know. What did I, what would I take but away from what this? I, what do I get to take home and chew right. on for me? Right. Everybody, everyone is looking either at a book that they're about to buy or at a speaker that they're listening to asking this question, what is in this for me? Yeah. That's yeah. just the nature of the consumer world that we live in. What is in this for me? So yeah. I teach about principalizing your story. It's not just about telling a riveting story and telling us what an overcomer you are. It's mm-hmm. what principles can you extract from your story that are universal, that right. can apply to a lot of people besides just you. And then what kind of challenging questions can you pose to them? A powerful question, as my friend Valerie Burton talks about, the, the PQ, the powerful question that you pose to them at the end of your talk is really going to make a difference between whether it just went in one ear and out the other and they were impressed by your speaking skills or whether it went in one ear and saturated their heart and has totally transformed them. And they're going to leave that venue 
totally changed and, and wondering what other directions do I need to go to continue this transformation process that this speaker just started? Yeah. So what's a good example of something like that? What's a good example of here? I'm going to leave you with this. Boom. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that comes to my mind is uh, whenever I tell my story about my, you know, my sexual experiences growing up, I will often pose this question um, that, you know, a lot of times I'm speaking to churches. So this would be more of a churchy type question, but I tell them that Satan's favorite strategy is to make single women think that they can't live without sex, <laughs> but to make married women think that they can. Oh yeah. And, and that how have they believed that lie in their lifetime and what kind of residual effects do they have from that? And they usually are like looking at each other, like this yeah. woman's been reading my mail. Like how does she know so much about my personal life? It's like, this is universal. No temptation seizes you, but what is common? Um, another example, sometimes people ask me to speak about the car accident that I had when I was 16. I accidentally hit a woman who was on a bicycle and she was killed instantly. Now that is a story that always gets people's attention because they're just so shocked by it. But not everyone has had that experience of having taken another human being's life. So I have to extract principles out of that. And so I consider the fact that um, not, not everybody needs to have had that experience, but where has life thrown you a curveball? Mm -hmm. What yeah. has come out of nowhere and made you think that life was over? Yeah. In what ways do you carry shame and blame around like it's a wet blanket that's going to put out any fire you could possibly ever have in life? Yeah. Asking them those challenging questions often makes them walk away feeling as if I'm so glad you told me that story because I was able to apply that to this thing that happened in my life. Sure. And that's Absolutely. a powerful moment when you feel as if human beings connect with your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was recently at a conference and there was a gentleman who was sharing his story um, on drug abuse and addiction to pornography as well. And it was a conference for clinicians. So at the end, he tells his story very raw, you know, harsh, harsh story. But at the end, his application was, and this is how you helped me. Maybe not you personally, but oh. your specialty, clinicians doing what you're doing. And Brilliant. It mm -hmm. gives them hope, but then it also makes them analyze, oh my gosh, I do have a challenging patient who's dealing with this. I can now relate or kind of bring in this story or refer them to this gentleman's story, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, now for you, I know that you have written over 20 books and you're published. When someone comes to you with a great story, you have them written down, have them kind of create a script. Do you always encourage them to also maybe write a book? or put their story out there in another form? Um, not necessarily a book. Some people feel really called to write a book. And I say, if you do, do it. Even if you wind up having to self-publish it because you don't have this huge platform, which is what a lot of big publishers are looking for these days. Mm -hmm. I say that it is so rewarding just to have that story in a form that you can just hand to other people and that mm -hmm. that gets passed down from generation to generation. You know, that there's nothing more beautiful than 
been passing on that legacy. However, some people are more inclined to maybe do it via video and maybe they've launched a business or a coaching practice or something along those lines based on their story. But maybe a YouTube channel is more their thing, or maybe a blog is their thing. They don't want it. the idea of writing a 65,000 word book and pitching that to a publisher may be overwhelming to them, but writing a 500 word blog, you know, a few times a week, that seems more their speed. So I say that there's so many ways in our digital age to be able to share your story. There's mm-hmm. really no reason to take that to your grave. That yeah. would be a crying shame to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Now you've given us so many great pieces of information and so many nuggets here, but if you had just three things you wanted our listeners to take away from all of everything you're telling us, what would be those three things? Well, first of all, I don't know how anyone aspires to accomplish anything in life, whether that's personal healing or a healthier relationship or a stronger business without some sort of higher power to connect to, because I just get so much strength outside of myself and my higher power guides me in so many ways to different people and opportunities. And I feel as if it's God who opens these doors for me. So no matter how you perceive your higher power, lean into it, lean into it. Don't just lean on your own understanding, lean into wherever either your gut feeling or your mentor or, you know, wherever you're being guided, explore that territory because there's a reason for that gravitational pull. Secondly, I would say, get out of your own way, get over yourself. So many people will say, well, I, I wanted to share my story, but I don't want for people to think that if I'm speaking or if I'm writing that I think that it's all about me. And I ask them, who are your favorite speakers? Who are your favorite writers? And they'll usually say somebody like, you know, Brene Brown or Glennon Doyle. And and I ask them, do you think that they think that it's all about them when they're just (laughs) dispensing wisdom from their own life experiences? And they're like, no, I would never judge them like that. Yeah, most people are not nearly as judgy as we think. Mm -hmm. And then the Third thing that I would say is you better be sure to define what success looks like for you. Because what I have learned over the past several years is that success doesn't necessarily mean more and more books published, more and more speaking events, more and more traveling, more and more online obligations. To me, success is enjoying the life that I live. And so for me, that has meant scaling back somewhat because what I really enjoy is helping other people launch their platforms. And Mm -hmm. so discerning what really makes me come alive. Don't just keep doing the same thing over and over because it's led to success for you. Mm -hmm. Consider how you can turn around and be a mentor to someone else. Or if there's a personal passion that you just really had to put on the back burner because you wanted to build your business, okay, well, when your business is relatively sustainable, how about bringing that passion back to the forefront of your life? And by all means, don't neglect your relationships for the sake of success or money or anything else, because those things are very fleeting, but our relationships will be what we either are elated with or are sad about on our deathbed. It's very true that no one ever said on their deathbed, I wish I had worked harder or I wish I had made more money. We will always say, I wish that I'd spent more time with the people that I love. So learning that work-life balance is so vitally important. Don't overlook that. 
I love that you said that. We just had a guest recently, and I can't remember if she said this on the podcast or if she said it afterwards when we were offline. She said, when it comes to your career and a job, life is very long. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the people you love, life is very short. So so think about what you're doing in your career, you know, and it's not to say don't do a job or don't follow a career. It's just make sure you prioritize and you're not sacrificing, like you said, the people, your friends, your family, the people around you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That goes along with what I frequently say to moms. There's a lot of times that women find themselves at home with time on their hands for the first time in their lives once they become a mother who once they you know step out of the workplace to be at home with their baby for a while. And sometimes when they just have all this ambition, I applaud it, but I frequently will remind them that when you are the mom of young children, the days pass slow, but the years pass fast. Mm-hmm. And you might want to consider doing what I did. I waited until my kids were six and my kids were six and nine when I published my first book. And now they're 26 and 29. And I have zero regrets about Mm -hmm. spending those first five pivotal years of their life or foundational years at home with them. And then they got to grow up watching mom work hard for her dreams and succeed, but they know that they were my first priority. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Shannon, this has been excellent. If people want to work with you, uh, find you, have you train them or take your courses, where can they go? Absolutely. If they will go to shannonethridge.com, they can click on the coaching link to learn more about the one-on-one or the couples coaching that I do. Um, I do either 30 minutes or an hour or two hours, but I also sometimes do half day or full day intensives with people face-to-face here in my home in Springfield, Missouri. We just bought a mini retreat center for that purpose. Or if they would like to find out about my workshops, uh, they can click on the workshops link. We do women at the well workshops, couples at the well, blast next level for people who who really want the face-to-face interaction more so than the online program. But if they want to learn more about the blast mentorship program, just click on the mentoring link and, uh, and we can take off from there. And again, in addition to the online program, we can certainly do as much one-on-one as you feel the need for. And in fact, I, I know what, uh, what ambitious listeners and followers you have. I just want to say that if people will tell me that they heard about the blast program through this podcast, I will give them, I'll make it $99 a month instead of 127. So I'll give them like a 20% discount so that, because I know that they're going to be, I know that that's sowing seeds into fertile soil. You know, anyone listening to your (laughs) podcast, they're going to be amazing blast participants. So I would love an opportunity to work one-on-one with them. That is very generous. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. Thank you. And then Shannon, you've given us so many awesome quotes, but do you have a daily mantra an affirmation or a prayer or something that you say uh, on a daily basis? I do. And it's actually, he was famous in my life, but he's not famous in anyone else's. I had a great uncle who was a Methodist minister and my uncle Dorsey would frequently say, it's all going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. And whenever the stresses of life or business or relationship starts creeping up, I just frequently remind myself, it's okay. If it's not okay, it's not the end. I, I have time to figure this out. I can iron out these wrinkles. I can achieve that goal. I can mend this broken bridge, whatever that 
life is really going to be okay. Just enjoy the ride. Stop stressing out about it so much because stress doesn't take you places that hope and faith will take you. Thank you for listening to the Where Money Meets Soul podcast. We hope you're feeling inspired to take control of your finances, create balance, and live your best life. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you know anyone else who would benefit from this content, spread the love by taking a snapshot of this podcast, sharing on social media, and tagging In the Life of Zen. And stay tuned for more from In the Life of Zen. Visit us at inthelifeofzen.com and follow us on social media at In the Life of Zen.